title of the message this morning is Out of the Closet, The Importance of Water Baptism. Everybody say, Out of the Closet. Because the truth is, there is no such thing as a closet Christian. You, you, you can't be a Christian and not tell other people about your faith. Actually, if you're in the closet as a Christian, you disqualify yourself for the kingdom of God. In other words, it can't just be something that happened within your heart. It has to be something that is seen by those around us. Can I get an amen? amen? Now, you know, it used to be we could talk this way and be bold, but anymore, some people are afraid to tell people what they believe and who they believe in. And it's going to get darker in the world, but as it gets darker, the church will become lighter. Water baptism. Jesus commanded all nations to be baptized. It's not a suggestion. Jesus said to all, he said, all people that believe in him should be baptized. Again, it's not a, you should go to church. It's not a, you, you should give your tithes and offerings. It's not, you should be nicer to people. This is, this is a command. Water baptism is a significant event in the life of a believer. It's a powerful act of obedience with our new life in Christ. It's a public declaration of faith. And it's a shared identification of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus set the example regarding water baptism. If Jesus is your Lord, what, what does that mean, Jesus is my Lord? That means that he is my master, he is my, he's my savior, he, he's my boss. But that also means that I choose to follow him. And in Matthew chapter 3, you know, Jesus, Jesus comes, he's 30 years old, he's just getting ready to start his ministry. And in verse 13, the word of God says, then Jesus came to Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. And, and Jesus said to John, let it be so for us to do this to fulfill righteousness. I, I, want, I want to stop there for a minute, guys. Jesus said, let's do this so we could fulfill righteousness. Jesus wasn't saying, I am doing this so I could become righteous. Jesus said, let us do this to fulfill, to complete righteousness. When we're baptized, we're baptized into the body. When Jesus was baptized, he was baptized into humanity. He said, we, got, we have to do this. We have to complete this so that we can fulfill righteousness. Now, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and the moment that heaven was opened, he saw the Spirit of God descend on him like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and I am well pleased. This, this is significant. It was so important that it, this is what launched Jesus' ministry. 
As Jesus was born of God, he was full of the Holy Spirit. But here the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And then after this point, we see miracle signs and wonders. Jesus was baptized into humanity. Don't ever forget that. It has to do with identification that Jesus needed to identify with you and he needed to identify with me. And he did that through his baptism, dying to who he was and being raised the son of God and the son of man. Identification. This is so important. This is the only time in the scripture that all three persons of the Godheads acknowledge the importance of this. Jesus himself, the Son, said this must be done to fulfill righteousness. The Holy Spirit affirms it and comes upon Jesus and and, and stays upon him. And then God the Father speaks from heaven and he says, this is my Son whom I'm well pleased. Jesus' baptism was the beginning of his earthly ministry. It was the linchpin that that released the power of God into his life. It didn't make him more righteous. It didn't make him saved. See, as something, he was born righteous. He was born set apart unto God. Jesus was baptized into humanity. We were baptized into Christ. Baptism is so vital that all three persons of the Godhead were present to affirm the baptism of Jesus. And we should imitate our Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. What would Jesus do? He'd get baptized. What would Jesus do? He would allow himself to be immersed in the burial waters of death so he could rise to the life that God had planned him. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, the apostle Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We're to follow the example of Christ. And the apostle Paul, when he got born again, on the road to Damascus, he was blind and he went into a house on Straight Street. And the word of God says that Ananias came to him and he prayed for him so that Paul would receive the Holy Spirit. And immediately after that, Paul got up and was baptized. You see, this is in in every biblical uh, fashion where we find somebody entering into salvation, they are baptized after the decision. This is uh, not a suggestion. You see, water baptism was meant to be more than just a symbolic ritual. It was intended to be a life-changing experience. Water baptism is essential to our growth and our maturity as believers in Jesus Christ. Water baptism is not a, it's not a private experience. You can't do this to yourself in the bathtub, but it's a public one that connects us. Listen to me very carefully. It connects us to Christ, but it connects us to each other because we're baptized into the body of Christ. We're baptized into Christ. 
Baptism is a powerful outward expression of an inward change that has already taken place in the heart of a believer. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. This is the very first sermon that was preached after the resurrection. The apostles were, were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they began to preach the gospel to thousands of people. And, and 3,000 people were added to the kingdom that day. 3,000 people were baptized, the word of God says. Peter said, they, they said, what are we going to do? You've told us the truth. What shall we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. See, these guys hadn't believed yet. They're, they're being convicted. So he says, repent. You can't make yourself good enough, but Jesus became one with you through his baptism and his death on the cross so that you could rise again with him. And that rising is not just when you go to heaven. There is a rising that happens within your spirit. When you believe, you receive God's Holy Spirit. You're never alone again. God, the power that raised Jesus from the dead will now live inside of you. And that power power that, that quickened and raised Jesus from the dead will even give vitality and strength to your mortal flesh. We're to be led by the Spirit. We're to walk in the Spirit. We're to gain revelation from the Spirit. We're to gain power from the Spirit, not by flesh, not by might, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. Water baptism illustrates that resurrection connection that we make when we believe but, but I want you to hear this. Baptism does not save us. Now, how do you balance that with you must be baptized? Because Jesus hung on the cross and there were two thieves that stood, uh, were beside him, right? Two thieves. And one, one made fun of him, one mocked him, and the other re repented. And he said, just remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. I want you to understand something. He was saved. But he wasn't baptized into Christ. That wasn't even available for him yet because that wasn't available till after the resurrection. See, baptism doesn't save us. Baptism doesn't justify us. Baptism covers us. Everybody say cover. See, you believe in your heart and you are justified. You confess him as Lord and you are saved. You are baptized into Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through baptism, no, through faith, what we believe, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what justification is. Justification is your account's been clean. Justification is you were in debt, now you're even. Justification is there was a penalty that had to be paid. It is now paid for. The books have been 
justified. They were out of whack. Now they're justified because Jesus did that through his blood. Justification happens because we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Yes, but we're also, our salvation, our justification is paid for by his blood. Because there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And Jesus shed the blood of God so that we would be eternally justified and our debt would be paid. So we believe and we are justified. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Be, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, now we have peace with God. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. So everybody say, I've been justified. Number two, we confess and then we're saved because you can believe in your heart and you can be justified and go to hell because you have to begin to confess. Romans chapter 10, 10 says, for it is with the heart that you believe and you're justified, but hold on now, it's with your mouth that you say something, you profess your faith and you are saved. So salvation can't just be within your heart. You cannot be a closet Christian and experience salvation. You have to declare him through your actions and through your words that you believe in him and he is your Lord. See, we, we, are, we, are, we believe and we're justified. We confess and we are saved, but we are baptized into Christ. We're clothed. And that's why the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and remained upon him. He had the anointing that abided within him, but he had to have the anointing that came upon him for the miracles and the signs and the wonders. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ, now you've clothed yourselves with Christ. You've clothed yourself with the Holy Spirit. See, you were justified when you believed. You entered into this relationship, the beginning, the salvation. You enter into salvation when you confess. But when you're baptized, you're baptized into Christ and you clothe yourself with him. See, we believe we're justified. We confess we're saved. I'm trying to get this to you. Then we're baptized into Christ. Why should we be baptized other than we're naked? What does the word say about the importance of being baptized other than we're naked? When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the first thing God did was he slayed some animals and he took their skins and he covered them with those bloody skins so they would no longer be naked and ashamed. When you're baptized, you are covered. You're no longer ashamed because God covers you from your past mistakes, from your failures, the things that you did so they can no longer affect the future that he intends for you. That's good preaching right there. I think you ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If you're going to receive that, let him know. There are three biblical reasons that we should be baptized. And we're going to baptize people today. And if you're listening to this message today and you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to get baptized, you can come right on up with us. But I want you to understand the seriousness of being baptism. So, you could, so it could be that life-altering experience that God intends it to be. The first reason that we should be baptized is a word that nobody likes, obedience. 
obey. But there's something about obedience that gives us freedom. We think when we obey that we become slaves. No, when we obey Christ, we enter into freedom. When we give up the little that we have in our will, he gives us all things. We give up a mere 70 to 90 years of life, and he gives us eternity. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus, Jesus comes up out of the dead. He preaches for 40 days to over 500 people, and he's getting ready to leave. He's on the mount getting ready to ascend to the Father. And he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And here's what he said. I want you to hear this. This is Jesus before he ascends to the heavens. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you see the two are connected? For some reason, we like to make it simple and we get away from proper biblical theology. We get, you know what that means? We get away from God's way of doing it. The very first thing that happened with Paul when he was saved is he got baptized. When Jesus entered into his ministry, he got baptized. When the 3,000 were born on the day of Pentecost, they got baptized. The next day, 5,000, they got baptized. Are Are you hearing me? Baptism is not a suggestion. It is a command. It's not going to save you but it's going to connect you to the body and it's going to clothe you with the Holy Spirit. You know, everybody say obey. Obey. Think of a soldier. He loves his country. We don't have the draft anymore. He loves his country. He signs up and he goes through boot camp and, and, and he gets into the military. And the, in the military, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. There is a chain of, there is a chain of what? Command. What does that mean? We do what our superior officer tells us to do. But, you know, we don't like that. Our flesh doesn't like it. And the next generation hates it. But listen, there is something about obedience that releases freedom, authority, and power in our lives. And and the thing is, that one man cannot protect himself when he's in the enemy territory. He's better off with his group because that group, he's, he's, he's as strong as they are together. But when one person decides that they're not going to obey, there's 10 of you. And the sergeant says, you lay down fire so these nine could advance. What happens when the one doesn't lay down the fire? Then the nine die. Obedience and baptism is our very first step of submitting to the will of God and submitting our lives to others. If we're not willing to have, to have the public confession of our faith, if we're not willing to be baptized, then what we're saying is, I'm going to do this thing my own way. And you know what? The rest of the army can't count on you. 
It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Mark chapter 16, Jesus said this, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Water baptism is a public declaration of our faith in Jesus Christ and our willingness to follow him all the days of our lives. I'm going to make a statement that isn't completely true, but you'll get it. If you say you're a Christian and you refuse to be water baptized publicly, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. It's like having, have, 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 can't say that in church. I was going to say having a friend without benefits, having a wife without benefits, having a husband without benefits. You just want what's good for you. Are, you. are you hearing me? You see, through water baptism, we proclaim to the world that we, we proclaim, we're making a statement, we belong to Jesus Christ and we're committed, we're committed to live a life of love, compassion, and service. So, so the second reason... The first reason is obedience. The second reason is public confession. Everybody say public confession. Here's a public confession. I'm denying myself, and I am going to follow Christ. I'm denying my own will, my own way, my own plans, and I'm going to follow him. I don't have to understand him all the time. I am going to follow him, just like in the army. I don't have to understand when he tells me to move. I'm just going to move because there's a plan, and it's bigger than what I know. There's other, there's other things going on behind me. I don't know why we're doing this. It looks stupid to me, but there must be armies around me. There must be other platoons around me that are going to do something that I am needed. I don't need to know. I just need to obey. But it's a public confession. We're denying ourselves to follow Christ. So let's say you're dating this guy. Or guys, you're dating this girl. Girls, you're dating this guy. And you're, you, you, the person you're with says, I don't want to go out to eat. I don't, want, I don't want people to know that we're together. I just want to come over to your house. Tell you what, I'll bring, I'll bring some McDonald's when I come. And then the relationship goes on and on, you know, and you, get, and you say, you know, my, we have a family reunion. Will you come? No, no, I don't want to come because I don't want people to know we're together. And then you don't follow the biblical prescription for marriage and, 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 and those kind of things. And, and, and one of you ends up pregnant. And then you end up, we're going to get married. And he says, you know what? I just want to go to a judge. I don't want anybody to know that we got married. I don't want anybody to come to a public wedding. I don't want the news to get out. Well, you, you know what's going on inside you right now. All of those feelings, all of those feelings of rejection, all those re feelings of, of the, the person's being selfish and taking advantage of you. Do you understand what we're saying here? That, that, that's, when you say, I'm not going to go through this public ceremony of marriage to Jesus Christ, which is being baptized into his death, his burial, and his resurrection, you're saying, I, I, I just want to come to your house and I'll bring a 
bag of McDonald's and we'll hang out, but I don't want anybody to know. Romans 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. I am not ashamed. Everybody say, I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Again, I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. One more time. I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. See, we need to come out of the closet and we need to go public. Baptism is a physical expression of a spiritual decision to follow Jesus. Baptism is the outward expression of an inward decision to obey Jesus. Baptism is a proclamation that we will serve Jesus by serving others. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. This is Jesus speaking. This is the head of the church speaking. This is the Son of God speaking. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father. Got a family reunion, and you're going to decide whether or not Jesus says he's married to you. You acknowledge me in front of men, I'm going to acknowledge you in front of the Father. That word acknowledge, it literally, it means to confess. It comes from two Greek words, acknowledge. It means homo logo, and that doesn't mean weird. Homo means the same in Greek. Logo means word. So I'm speaking to people, my peers, in agreement that Jesus is my Lord. That's the word. Jesus is, that's the logo, the, the, the expressed word of God. I am in agreement with Jesus, homo. We're the same. I'm in agreement with him. He is my Lord. He's my Lord so he can become my Savior. But Jesus said in verse 33, but whoever disowned me, Whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. You can't be a private closet Christian. You've got to go public. So you come into life with Christ through belief. You, you confess him as Lord through a prayer. Now it's time to go public. See, you've already coveted, you made a covenant with him. Now it's time to go public. And when we don't go public, it's like this. Um, you know, Nietzsche and I are sitting at breakfast table, and I go like this. <clears throat> I'm just going to leave that here today. I'll be back around, oh, probably 11 o'clock tonight. Yeah, but don't worry, honey. That's just a, this is just this this piece of rubber, you know. I got a gold one, but this is the rubber one. You know, it, it doesn't mean anything. Look, I get a little tan line. What does this tell you? When a guy is sitting up at the bar and something half his age walks in and he looks over to the side and stuff sits in his pocket, what does that tell you?
tells me the marriage is in trouble. Jesus takes it personally. Whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father. There's no such thing as a closet Christian. Water baptism is a command to, to make a public confession in Christ. It's a moment of grace in which we connect to the power of Christ so that our life can glorify God. Baptism is an outward symbol of an inward change. It's a testimony to the world that you've trusted Jesus for salvation. It is a public act of dying to ourselves, rising to a new life in Christ. Number three, all about identification. That's a very popular word today. How do you identify? You know, the Bible makes it very clear we don't have a choice in identifying ourselves. Guess who identifies us? The one who created us. We either identify with God or we're identifying with the enemy. Jesus said, if you're not gathering with me, then you're scattering. If you're not for me and helping me, you're against me. If I'm truly not your Lord, then you're my enemy identification that we're buried in death through baptism we're raised to a new life identifies us with Jesus death his burial and his resurrection everybody say death burial and resurrection it's simple watch watch I'm up here I'm alive I can I'm my own will here but hold on now somebody's taking me under I'm dying I'm I have no control <clears throat> I'm giving up my control I'm dying uh, why am I not coming back up? I'm buried. Hey, I'm buried. Hello, hello, I'm buried. Actually, that's what Jesus cried out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I so far from your cries? He was quoting a Psalms to get him out of the depths of hell. But we're raised to a new life with Christ just as he was raised. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, having been buried with Jesus in baptism, which you were also raised with him through the faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You're identifying. If, 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 you're, if you're a basketball player or a soccer player and, and a professional player wants to take you underneath their wing, you are going to shadow them. Shadowing means you're going to follow them and you're going to do what they do. Are you hearing me? Because you're identifying with their training. As a matter of fact, if somebody has sh shadowed somebody and, and they've done an excellent job with it, when they're on the court or they're on the field, you can't really tell the difference in, in their reactions. As a matter of fact, even preachers do it. They, they follow their favorite preachers, the ones that they listen to. You'll find them doing the same mannerisms, the same actions, even the same verbiage, because they're shadowing somebody who has gone before them. We're going to identify with Jesus and we're going to shadow in his, his life, his 
death, his burial, and his resurrection. And at every point of this, we connect to the miraculous things that God did through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 10. Listen, the death Jesus died, he died to sin once and for all. You can't, re you can't resurrect that old man once you've been baptized unless you're going to live the life of a mindless zombie and be led by a ridiculous appetite that will consume your life. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now, in the same way, after you've been baptized now, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Count. I'm going to consider myself dead to sin. I'm going to consider that the, the, I'm going to reckon myself dead to sin. As, as far as I'm concerned, sin can no longer control me because I died to the sin through this baptism. I was raised to a new life through this baptism. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives within me. I was baptized into Christ. I was clothed with Christ. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, we were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into his death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead for the glory of the Father, that we can live a new life. Not just one where you change your conduct, but one where the power that changes your conduct doesn't come from you alone. But God is strengthening you, and God is empowering you, and God is being a witness with you. Water baptism is an essential step into the life of every Christian. It's an act of obedience to Jesus' command. It's a public declaration of our faith in him. And it clothes us with the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. It is the beginning of a new life in his resurrection power. A seed, a caterpillar, and a ship. Not the kind of ship that got those big old steam engines or those kind of things. I'm talking about a ship with the sails, great big, huge ship with the sails. A seed, kernel wheat, dried up pea. Apple seed, a seed, a caterpillar, 
I always think about a caterpillar as those ones that come out in the fall and they're like two different colors, you know. They got the big dark, dark brown, blackish stripe in the middle and then kind of reddish on the, the outside. Now, I, I was told when I was a kid, it, it, it depends on how big that black section is, how bad the winter is going to be. That was what the old farmers would say. That's kind of when I think of a caterpillar, I, I think of that. When I think of a butterfly that comes from a caterpillar, I think of, I think of a, a monarch. Let's begin with a seed. These all represent what's going to happen and what happens in water baptism. Jesus said that a seed must die so that it can give life to many others, speaking of himself. See, when, it, when you put a seed into, into the ground, there is a death that takes place. A seed goes into the ground. And in that death, in a period of time, the outer shell of that seed, that husk is removed from it, and life begins from almost like an embryo on the inside of the seed as it interacts with the, the soil and the water. And, and then that, that seed that was dead, as in its death it cracks open, it sheds its outer layer, it sheds its, its, its nature... It sheds its outer shell that it's known by. It dies to itself to become something new. And then up out of the ground comes that little. And a new life. A caterpillar. Ugly little things. But something on the inside of them tells them it's time to build a cocoon. And in that cocoon, in that burial, in that tomb, they're transformed. Our word for it is called metamorphosis. They go through metamorphosis. It's a transformation. In the Greek, that word metamorphosis comes from the Greek word metamorpho. So we're going to transform our, our we're going to transform our lives by the renewing of our mind. So the caterpillar goes in. All it's known is feeding itself. Doesn't know why. It's given to a nature it doesn't understand. It feeds itself, feeds itself. It's all it does, it feeds itself. And then all of a sudden, it says, okay, I'm going to rest. And, it, and it, it builds a cocoon around it because now it's going to die to its nature. But in that is the metamorpho, is the change. Caterpillar doesn't know how to turn into a caterpillar. All it knew how to do was bury itself. And Jesus said, we plant a seed into the ground. You don't, you don't know how it grows. That's up to God. You put the seed in the ground, let God, let God water it, and a new life is going to come. You don't have to know how this change is going to happen, but when you get buried in Christ, you're coming up a new creature. You're coming up different. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've been grounded all your life, but now you're going to fly. You've been limited because all you have is all these little legs. Now you're barely going to use your legs. You're going to use your wings. Monarchs. Little 
orange and black butterflies. Grounded. They're not going to move any more than 10 to 12 feet their entire life as a caterpillar. But when they become a monarch butterfly, when they come out of that burial tomb, they will travel from here all the way to Mexico. Every single year it happens. And that's like it is with Christ. We're so limited when we live for ourselves. When we die to ourselves, we shed that outer layer and we let God do this miraculous work by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're changed. A ship. A ship that needs sails to move in the middle of the ocean with no wind is a death trap. You run out of water, you run out of food. And if you see it and you look, you look upon it, like maybe in the movies you've seen it, and they see the ship that's been stranded out in the middle because it can't move, because there's been no wind, it, it just looks like a cemetery. No matter how big it is, no, ma no matter how beautiful it is, no matter how ornate it is, it, it's a cemetery. That same sailboat, that same ship, when the winds fill its sails, becomes this majestic mammoth thing that cuts across the water like a, like a speedboat. And, and, and when you watch these big ships moving, when they, when they cut around corners, and, they, and you're like, wow, it inspires you to think about the adventures that are possible in the places that you could go it's this thing you can't see the wind fills these sails you can see and it causes something that looked like a cemetery to become majestic and inspiring it's not the sails it's not the ship it's the wind in the sails and when we come up out of that death and burial, the wind of the Holy Spirit is on us. And our lives can be majestic. Our lives can inspire all. And people who have no hope, as they see you cut across the waters of life, they'll have hope. When they're in depression and they see God move you across the waters and, and the other ones with engines aren't even moving as fast, They'll have hope and joy. The unseen effects of the breath of God blowing into the life of a believer, it inspires us. It fills one's heart with, with awe and wonder and about the new adventures that are possible with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived. Now these are the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Where will the winds of the Holy Spirit take you? I remember when I, I accepted, I, I believed in Jesus and I, I confessed Him. But when I made Him the Lord of my life, 
The winds of the Holy Spirit took Nietzsche and I to 30 different countries in front of millions of people and watched God do amazing things in the hearts and the lives of people all around the world. I could not imagine. And he's still taking us. And the winds of the Holy Spirit will take you. These are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. And Jesus said that, He said, Truly, truly, I tell you, you must be born again to even see the kingdom of God. These things that He's prepared for you, you can't see until you're born of the Spirit. See, yeah, we're born of the water. It's not talking about baptism. We're born of the water. When mama breaks her water, we're born of the water. And then when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, confess him as Lord, we're born of the Spirit. We're born again. And if you're born twice, you'll only die once. You see, there's something called the second death, and that's eternal life without God. That is after you, you, you shed this, 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 this body of ours and your spirit and your soul are eternal and it's a life without God forever and ever and ever. Hell is nothing compared to life without God. Even the non-believers see the effects of God in the earth today. Could you imagine eternal existence without God? That's called the second death. You die physically. And then you die spiritually. That's why baptism is so important. We must be born again. Born of the water when our mama has us. We're born of the spirit when we get in the waters of baptism. If you're born again twice, if you're born twice, you only die once. But if you're only born once, you die twice. We're going to baptize people who have already made that decision today. And we're going to celebrate with them. What are we celebrating? The new life. The adventures they're going to have. The places that God is going to take them. The miraculous power that will be seen in their lives, the favor and the glory. Now, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. It's not always easy. But we'll see things in their life that, that would not have been possible. And they'll see it too through the eyes of the Spirit. And if you're here this morning and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you don't know him or you're not right with him, then I want to pray with you. And I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you pray that prayer today and you have been moved by this message and you want to get baptized with us, when, when I say, come on, we're going upstairs, you just follow right on up there. I mean, you're going to be wet when you come out. I think we have a couple, couple towels, but the death, the burial, and your resurrection. Would you close your eyes with me? Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you cause your presence to come into this room and across, across the internet, Lord. 
all around the world, that those who have joined with us throughout the week, that your spirit intercedes and touches them, calls this, this, this conviction of the Holy Spirit to be alive in them so they'll yield to life and life eternal. And we're going to make a good confession together. Let's all do this together as we, we say, we're going to say we believe in our hearts. And we're going to say we confess with our mouth. And we're going to enter into salvation. And if you're not right with God, you say that prayer like you've never said it before. If things are cold in your life with God, you say that prayer like you've never said it before. And you mean it. And if you're so moved, then you get up on out of your seat when we go up and, 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 and you get yourself baptized today. And we're going to celebrate with you. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I do believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my unbelief. I believe Jesus is your son. And I believe you raised him to life. Today I make Jesus the Lord of my life. And I will live for him and live for others. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Cleanse me with your blood. Receive me into your kingdom. In the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.